Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. G'day, Mike Hussey here, but you can call me Mr. Supercoach. KFC Supercoach BBL is back and there's 25 grand up for grabs. So what are you waiting for? Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorization number TP slash 01005. to the top. He is an absolute legend of the game. This is your Football Life with Rex Hunt for Tobin Brothers Funerals. Celebrating lives. Oh, Matthew, g'day to you and g'day to you folks again. I'm back. I've had a good week and it's been uh, really interesting footy and a little bit of fishing and a little bit of family, so that's what it's all about. Michael Malthouse joins us for part two of what has been an extraordinary life both on and off the field, on the field as a player, off the field as a coach. And I'll embarrass him again when the history of the game is written. Michael Malthouse will take his rightful place. During your playing career, either at St Kilda or Richmond, you must have had some seed that was sown in your brain. I reckon I might like to be a coach because otherwise Footscray wouldn't have come after you. Certainly, Rex. It's it's probably mid-20s and... I looked around me and thought there's a lot of players that I started playing with who have left the game. Then there's a handful that left the game and decided to, do, to want to stay in football. And we all know at that stage it was a very much an amateur game. And so I started to get my mind around the next phase of my life. I didn't know how long I was going to play for, for a start off. I had a lot of leg injuries. So it could have finished mid-twenties, I, I scratched around until 30, and I was very, very, I was, it, it's an interesting one because I I was approached by the Wangaratta Rovers, and they sent me down their vinyl song, I played that, um, it wasn't over impressive, <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't the reason for not taking the job, uh, we had a, two, two girls and uh, one little lad at that stage. And then I was approached by uh, Central Districts to apply for the job. So I went across and got interviewed for the job, and Cowboy Neil got that job. So I thought, well, that's the end of my coaching. I'll sit and just be a public servant and, and train up. I still, I, I actually went down the Richmond and still trained up for that. Yeah. A lot of people don't know this, and I've said this uh, just recently. I was approached by Richmond to coach. And... Kevin Dixon approached me to coach on behalf of the board, which I put in a re- an application, and they said, "Look, um, we'd like to give you the job." And I said, well, "That's fantastic, mm. Unbe- unbelievable that I get this senior job." I think, look, I can't remember the actual time frame, but he called me back in the office one, two days, a week later, and said. Uh, Look, we're very considered. We can't give you the job because we we don't want to have another player come straight out playing and coaching 
you know, we did it with Francis and it wasn't, a, you know, with all due respects to Francis, it wasn't a great success and we are not going to do that. And I said, well, you're taking away nothing from me because I didn't have it. Yeah. And then, then he said, would you like to coach our reserves? And I said, God, it'd be fantastic to coach the reserves. I still got my job and still do the part, to, you know, it's Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Friday, you know, whatever it was. Uh, I reckon within two days, he called me back and said, look, we think that you've got ambitions to be a, a senior coach and we don't know whether the senior coach would like you. Really? <laughs> having those, Looking over his shoulder. Which I've never been like that in my life. No. But, but anyway, um, so, okay, so nothing ventured, nothing gained. And, and, and I wasn't disappointed because I didn't have it anyway. Yeah. It wasn't as if I'd been a coach. And It's like when I played. When I went back to Ballard, I went back, not bitter, went back and said, okay, they don't, you know, I'm not good enough. I can understand that. So the you sooner move, you accept it, the better. You, you move on. Because the only bloke that's affected is yourself. Yeah, it's so yourself. Uh, so mid-January, I got a phone call. Oh, actually, mid-January, I, I found out that Louis Hampshire had resigned. Or, at Footscray, yeah. And uh, three or four people turned up at my front door and said, would you consider coaching the Footscray Football Club? Which yes. it was mid-January. So it was, I was three or four months behind in prep. Not, not my prep, but certainly the club's prep. So it was a bit of a shock, but a fantastic shock. Yeah. You've said publicly in publications and uh, on radio stations and television stations that Doug Hawkins at that time was the best player you coached. From memory broadcasting for 3DB before I went to 3AW, you were in a big tower out on what's known as yeah. the Doug Hawkins wing and he played on that wing yeah. for the entire game, didn't yep. he? Yeah, he did. Was, was that deliberate? Well, it was... From him or you? Semi-deliberate. Yeah. Uh, it was very rare that you got anything east, so therefore the ball was re rarely on the stand side. So yes. uh, any sort of Wesley puts the ball on this side of the ground. So I thought, look, I'll stay out there, put the best player out that side. He can he defends beautifully. Yeah. He uh, he uses the ball magnificently. Plus the other thing is, I didn't need a runner for a third of the ground. Because by that stage, the players had learned to look up, watch my hand signals or my voice, listen to my voice, and we had quick movement. So I coached from there. And, and I'm, Doug Hawkins is still, in my mind, one of the best players I've ever coached. Really? Had he Why? Because he was so complete. He was tough. He, you couldn't touch him in a, in a phone, phone booth. He was that light on his feet. Left and right side of the body, he he made the player work to the ball and it was never he never hit the player hard enough where he couldn't take the button he played on the great players he played on Dippy Domenico he played on Robert Flower he played on Keith Gregg played on them all yeah. and I believe he beat the ball yeah and he's such a wonderful team man wonderful team man toughest nails though too a lot, of, a lot of people underestimate how tough Doug he was and uh I, I say this not, and I say this with respect to Footscray and respect to West Coast. We know that there's big clubs, and those big clubs get a lot more news, a lot more kudos, a lot more attention than the lower clubs. If a Doug Hawkins was playing for Collins, It's not fair, but it's the way it is, Michael. It's totally unfair. It's, but it's the way it is. Yeah, it it's is. the way it is in life. It is. So if Doug Hawkins or Glenn Jakovic were playing for 
or Brett Hetty or these sort of players. But anyway, we'll use those two for example. We're playing for Carlton or Collingwood or Hawthorne or Essendon. In that era, they would be deemed superstars. And they should not be deemed anything less than superstars because I believe that they are anyway. But if they were... if, if they were with those clubs, they probably would have had premierships added to their name. Now, Jakovic, of course, has got premierships to his name. But Dougie Hawkins hasn't, uh, or never will. But he would be a premiership player. You'd see more of him in the MCG. No doubt. Uh, uh, Richmond at the time, same Richmond. Mm. And we would not only respect him for what he's done at Footscray, but you'd see this... He'd have his own statue around the MCG. Yeah. Because I reckon he was that good. Let's get across the Nullarbor. The approach from West Coast, when did it come? And how difficult was it to sit down with your wife, Nanette, with a young family saying, I'd really like to do it, but we've got to go to Perth. Just tell us a bit about that. Yeah, it ended up not being a very difficult decision, but uh, as I said to before, last week I said... Uh, Shimbush walls myself. I didn't give myself any chance. I thought it'd be third come third easily, but as it turned out, I was able to get. I got the job, and um, we're in a position at home where uh, Nanette's mother had been diagnosed with uh, Alzheimer's. Uh, at that stage, my father and her mother were both. We, we didn't expect them to last long, really. Her stepfather died that year. Her brother had died that year. Was one of my best mates of cancer. Um, our, uh, look, it's a long list, but our babysitter, which is her sister's sister-in-law, got killed in a car crash. Oh, this is all in the one year. In, in fact, all in all in months. <coughs> to no the point pressure. where the kids, yeah. the kids were saying, they're almost saying, look, they don't want to go to bed at night because they don't know who's going to be next. Oh. So when this opportunity came up, we thought, well, look, we'll start another life. And we went to the West, and it's been one of the great moves that we've ever made because... Really? Well, we've got so many great friends in the Western yeah. Australia. It was it was taking over a new, a relatively new site. It was giving them more awareness of Melbourne conditions, more aware of history. I'm I'm a great believer in history, and I just don't think the players had any sense of history. Hmm. You, no history, you got no future. And my my thing was to have great. Re, you, you have to. Be, we needed to have at West Coast a respect for the competition. The AFL competition had to be respected for its years of, and it's not nothing against Western Australian football, South Australian football. It was more about where we were in a new competition that was developed from the VFL. Yeah. And that was my principal thing to let, I got Stephen Nash to fax across every news article in the paper so it put a face to a name. Even if it was Rex Hunt getting a haircut. Even, Gee, if, even if it was... That'd be history. It was history. <laughs> um, but they go, is that... Oh, that's what Rex looks like. Yeah. Oh, is this, the, is this <clears throat> what um, Robert Flower looks like? Or is that a story about um, Wayne Carey? Yeah. Now, who is this bloke, you know? So we become far more educated in regard to the history of the game, and, and from there we developed. Mm. How important are team leaders? And I preface that by saying at West Coast... Worsfold, uh, Mainwaring, McKenna, Jakovic. While a lot of the players under them are nearly as good as them, that's a great nucleus that you can really use to your advantage on the field before they even talked about team leaders. Yeah, well, we, we when I first went there, Steve Malaxis was captain. Um, and 
be fair to say, Steve um, fell a bit short of my what I thought what I needed. Not not for not because he wasn't a bad bloke. He's a nice bloke. Uh, you know, he's a, he was a um, he was a good ball getter. But if I was gonna, if I was, if we needed to move forward, we need to readdress everything. Yeah. And stuck my neck out a bit and put in a 22-year-old captain. The most important thing about doing that, a lot of people don't realise this, is that it had to be a dual appointment. And as much as John was captain from Deed, he, 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 John would do anything you asked him to do. And when he went out on that ground, he played such a prominent part for the rest of his teammates. But you needed someone as strong as him off the ground as well. And Michael Brennan was outstanding. The monkey, was he? The monk. Yeah. And so I, I was gifted with two people of great characters one that was so good on both are on the great on the ground tough as nails yeah. but, but Michael was a really strong advocate of what I wanted off the ground and, and not that John wasn't but Michael spoke and then you said about Mainwaring yeah. and Jakovic and McKenna and Pike and Evans and Kemp um, I'll probably miss out on people but they had such strong characters and they took the club where we wanted to go. Before we take a break, Michael Malthouse, I'm fascinated with this and I hope everyone's enjoying it. For Tobin Brothers, this is your footy life, Michael Malthouse. You're into quotes and the great Vince Lombardi said you've got to taste the horrible taste of defeat before you smell the sweet uh, taste of success. Was 1991's disappointment the thing that set you up for 92, 94? Was, I, I believe, coming from the same place as you did at Punt Road, it's more important to hurt when you lose than to go out for a drink and wave to the crowd when you win. Mm. Well, Rex, 91 was disappointing, but if there's a if there's a genesis that set the West Coast up for what they are today, it was a six-week period that people wouldn't understand, and I'll explain it to you. I, I believe that exactly what you just said, you, you don't gain a lot from... If you look through your life and you've got if we look at a straight line, I call it my lifeline, and if you have a big dip, it's that dip that determines the sort of character you are. If you recover from that dip, that's that's building your character. Round 21 in 1990. You've got to remember there's no favours. We get no favours. We couldn't have home finals. It wasn't a matter of playing one home and one away and and lo- looking after that way. It was simply that all the, all the pre-season games had to be played away. All finals had to be played away. We were quite often, two or three times, we played away and come home. So round 21, we flew to Bris- we flew to Melbourne to Brisbane to play the R- Brisbane Lions, or Brisbane Bears at the time. Uh, no TVs on the, on, the, on the planes. It was just simply you just get on the plane. We flew back home. The next week, we flew to Melbourne and went down to Geelong. We had to win both games and finish third. So technically, we should have had the next final at home. Oh, the, the first final. We didn't. We went back and we played Collingwood and we drew. The fourth week in a row, we flew back and we yeah. and we got thumped by Collingwood. Next week, they said, you can't win. We went back to Melbourne again for the fifth time in a row and we beat Melbourne. Yeah. The sixth week, they called an airline strike and we flew to with our team and the and the Perth Wildcats, you can imagine who's sitting up the front, not yeah, us. Exactly. Kel Gooley, from Kel Gooley Miljura, 
from Mildura to Melbourne. Now, if that doesn't yeah. set you up yeah. for... And as I said to the boys when yeah. we lost that last game, I said, it doesn't matter what they throw at you now. Yeah. The AFL can make you play on the moon. That's you it. blokes have covered everything. And this is going to set this football club up forever. The message is loud and clear. That's what it is. And that's what we're saying is, uh, you know, it's important to really enjoy winning, but really hurt when you lose. We're going to take a break, folks, and there'll be more of Mick Malthouse after the break. And check us out on Twitter at Rex Footy Life. This is your footy life for Tobin Brothers Funerals, celebrating lives. Dream rises to the top. He is an absolute legend of the game. You're listening to This Is Your Football Life with Rex Hunt for Tobin Brothers Funerals, celebrating lives. Yes, Matthew. And here we are again running down the straight six at Flemington towards the finishing post with our two-part series of the legend himself, Michael Malthouse. It's great to have him on board and it's great to have you on board for Tobin Brothers Funerals, celebrating the footy life of our friend here today. Uh, the approach from Eddie Maguire in 1999, Collingwood were absolutely, in my words, Scheisenhausen, both on and off the field. Tell us about the first phone call or the first handshake. Tell us about the circumstances that led you to the most famous sporting club in the history of this land. Yeah, it was interesting because by our, we went to Western Australia for two years and stayed for 10. <laughs> and when uh, the time came about that we reassessed... First of all, that Nanette's um, mother was very, very ill at that stage, um, and my father wasn't great. So we thought the two girls seemed reasonably established in Western Australia. The two boys, we knew if we stayed another year or two, we were locked in. Not that you, I, I love Western Australia, but I didn't want to be locked into Western Australia. And the way it was going, if we stayed one or two more years, they had their friendships and schooling, they were moving on to uni. That's the end of it. We're over there. So we needed to come back, and I spoke to the club about coming back, and they left the rest for Peter Peter Sidwell, and uh, he had a couple of um, interesting interviews with clubs and spoke to me about the pros and cons. And the thing about Eddie was he had a vision, and I like people to know where they're going. And... Uh, he, he, he said exactly what you just said. Hadn't been the finals record number of years, low membership, broke, and playing out of Victoria Park or or training out of Victoria Park. And he said, he painted a picture of Olympic Park. And I said, well, that looks the way to go forward. So it was a, it was, so it was a decision between a, a, a two or three clubs. And that, that, that just hit it off with me. Early on in 2002-2003, some people who both you and I respect, <clears throat> we respect a lot of people, but people who we really respect said that you were a brilliant coach with an ordinary <clears throat> ordinary side. How do you respond to that sort of thing? Well, in 2002, that's, there's a couple of years and a couple of games to stand in my mind. Uh, I won't go back, over 80, back to 87, but that one year and... In 2002, were perhaps the best years in regard to getting a side into a position that, that technically speaking, with the calibre of, of, of abilities, not the calibre of the person, but the calibre of abilities, we probably had no right to be even in the top four. And reminding young people that that was the time when the, the old-fashioned Hawthorne, and they were named Brisbane Lions, were just dominating the competition yep. and actually won three in a row. So that's the context of what you're saying. Your team probably 
couldn't stand up side by side to them. Well, not, technically, no. Uh, you know, you're looking at three Brownlow medalists. You're looking at uh, combined Fitzroy and, and uh, Brisbane side. So it was a brilliant side, well coached. Uh, I've got a lot of admiration for Lee Matthews and a very, very good football side. But we, we uh, took it right up to them uh, and fell short. But to me, that was as good a team to be involved with yeah. as I've ever been involved. What was the major mo- uh, difference, Michael Malthouse, to 202-203 to 2010 when a lot of people unashamedly picked you to be premiers because you were a great side, you had a fantastic year. Did you think halfway through the year or towards you know the, the pointy end, we're a real show here? I thought the time that it clicked in that I thought were a real show was when we played St Kilda the first time. The Saints had come off the the loss to the Geelong in the grand final. They were near or thereabouts near the top of the ladder, playing really good football. Yeah, they were. And we played them out at Waverley. Oh, sorry, Waverley, my own memory. Uh, we played them out at Etihad, and it was ebb and flow. Really. They got on top of us at the end. When I walked off that ground, my immediate reaction was, we can get them. Really? They're the, they're the best side in the comp. We can get them because I know, I know that they threw everything at us. Not that we didn't throw everything at them, but I thought there was room for improvement within the side. And as it happened, we did get better as the year went on. You know, I have to bring this up and I just, I respect the way you're going to answer it. And I can relate to to what you'd be feeling when Eddie came to you with the succession plan and you were signed on, but no matter even if you won the flag, you were gone. From the outside looking in, and I would say differently, looking at you in the eye now, I wouldn't be saying this, but how could you agree to that, Michael? Yeah, it was very difficult because it was a year, I think it was 2009 when it was all put together. And without making a great big story, it was either do it or you're out anyway. So I had effectively probably got an extra year that, I, that, that it wasn't going to come my way. The second fa- phase of it was, it was a very vulnerable time. I'd been back and forth to Ballarat um, for, for virtually months. Uh, my mother was dying eventually and, and died uh, during that season. And under those, under that sort of circumstance with, with uh, one of my daughters being uh, ill and the son being ill, there was a few things that you just said, in the end, you just go, look, it's just getting all too hard. And mm. life's, there's more to life than just a game of football. So therefore, right. get the thing over and done with. Um, I'm I mean, a, it ended yeah. disappointingly, yeah. but nonetheless, I had 12, I look at I look at it. Have you let it go now? Oh, God, I've let it go a long time ago. Fantastic. I, it's 12 years. Yeah. Always look at the best part of it. Like, when you, no matter when you coach, you're going to have ups and downs. But I look, I've tried to look at the term and go, I had ten, or six great years at Footscray, ten great years at West Coast, ten great, uh, twelve years at, at, at Collingwood, and two and a bit with Carlton. I made great friends. We had great times. Coaching is winning and losing. It's mm-hmm. not about winning, winning, winning. Because it's rare that it happens. So you take the good with the bad. I still talk. You know, like people say, well, how are you off with it? I talk to it. Um, I talk to the players very, very regularly. When I bump into them or they ring or whatever the case may be, I still see a few of the officials from time to time. David Butterfield, 
from Collingwood, went to Carlton. I now got a little business with him called uh, Keen Edge, which is about leadership. Interesting. Uh, uh, yeah, it's only a small business, so if anyone wants any leadership out there, we're, it's our little Too company. right. Keenedge.com.au. Keen yep. Yeah. Um, and we... Um, but you move on quickly because life's about looking at what's been good, not what's bad. Yeah. And if you want to look at what's bad, I lost... You know, you said uh, how many games I've coached. I could tell you, Rex, how many bad ones I've coached. Yeah. But that's not in there. No. But I could tell you, I've coached bad ones as well as good ones. So, yeah. But... It that, doesn't sell papers, that, though. It doesn't sell... Well, the bad ones do, is Yeah, they do. <laughs> like Google. Yeah. You Google me, will you? <laughs> you seem in a good place, and I want to thank you for the time today. You've uh, been great to come down <clears throat> here to our studio, and, and uh, you're in a good place, and Nanette's... Uh, well, recovering, again, recovering. and it just, uh, mm. you, you, we went through a rough early, time, yeah. went through a rough time there with, but isn't uh, that what's family is about? Well, that's right. She, you know, she's just for those, I don't know it's out there anyway, but she's, you know, she's, uh, recovered from breast cancer. She's yeah. got, uh, you know, had the radiation, which is, uh, and the surgeon and the oncologist and the radiologist, they're all very, very happy to wait where she is. Mm. So we're, and aren't they the most magnificent people? It is. Well, they are magnificent It's been people. great. You look good. Uh, I'll let you get on your bike. And uh, as I said, I'm just honoured that uh, when the phone went, uh, you said yes. Not straight away because you had the recruit going. And yeah. are you enjoying working with the young people? Because that's what you were born to do, Michael. Well, the recruit's been the most uh, interesting thing I've done in, TV, in terms of TV. It starts on the... Uh, it starts soon. Yeah. In July 20. So... Um, that that that's that in itself to give young men an opportunity yeah. to be, maybe become an AFL player. Who knows? I uh, I'm sure the audience has enjoyed it just as much as me, and I just think with a little bit of a smile on that grumpy old face, you've just thought this is okay. <laughs> I know you're uncomfortable about talking about yourself, but the contribution you've made to this game will be indelibly recorded forever. And I'm glad that you've said yes, and we've known a little bit more about the inner sanctum of Michael Malthouse, and thank you, Mick, for your time. It's a pleasure, Rex, you know that. For Tobin Brothers Funerals, the great Michael Malthouse, that was your life. It's Ty Power's Big Footy final sale. To kick things off, you can get the power to buy three and get one free on selected Toyo passenger car and SUV tyres. Ty Power's Big Footy final sale can't last. Visit typower.com.au now.